Welcome. You are listening to a special episode of TLR's podcast. In this series, we are talking to the reviewers who brought you TLR's 55 most reread books. Each episode breaks down the list into specific favorites for that reviewer. You can find more reviews and best of lists on thelesbianreview.com. Today I'm joined by the fabulous Amy Herman Paul, who's going to talk about her nine rereads from TLR's 55 Most Reread Books list that dropped at the end of 2019. Amy, thank you for joining me today. Very happy to be here. You have nine rereads on this list. That's quite the number. I think you managed to even beat out Terror on this. Well, I think to tell you the truth that I actually read more books in a year than Tara. And so to save money, especially because a lot of the books that I reread are audiobooks, I do a lot of listening over and over to certain books. And also, rereading ebooks is all about comfort reads. Completely. You mentioned comfort reads. Is that why you come back to the same books again and again? Because it comforts you to know what's coming, it makes you feel good. Definitely. The the biggest reason that I reread books is because of the way they make me feel. Whether it's, you know, that, that happy ever after ending of a romance, or if you notice my, re- my reread list on, on this list, it's a lot of spec fic, which has a lot of sci-fi and uh, paranormal stuff in it. And so all of that's all about you know, the resolution of the book and how that makes me feel. And anytime that resolution is is a very emotional kick for me, especially a very emotional positive kick, because I very rarely read negative kicks. I'd say that that, that book can make it onto my reread list very easily. I completely get that. Yeah, especially in series, because I'm one of those probably obsessive compulsive anal retentive people who when the new book in the series comes out I have to start the whole series over again and so in a series I I tend to reread the first book a lot I can understand the theory behind that but wow that's a big commitment each time hey Is especially, uh, I mean, I, I there was a mainstream series that I, science fiction that I was reading, um, and this was back before I even ever got into ebooks. And, you know, it was once a year the author would put out a new book, and so once a year I'd start rereading from the beginning. And when he got to about 20 books in the series, it started getting long. <laughs> It only took too many books. Right? Ebooks does make it a lot easier to do that. But, um, and also the the time period for a lot of, of releases as far as, as book uh, in series has, has stepped up. Because, I mean, a lot of that is after a year. I don't remember what happened last. I'd have to reread and, and you know, refresh myself on the series. But, um when people are putting books out more and more often, you know, with shorter time periods in between, makes it easier to remember. And and so so now I don't do that as much, but I definitely still do it for some series. It's easier though also if it's like audiobooks because you can put it on as you're doing your job. Yes, I can. I I drive anywhere from six to eleven hours a day. 
And so having the audiobooks going in the background is, it's very important for me because for me, it helps me stay focused and awake and being able to do my job. But audiobooks are pretty expensive. So, <laughs> so yeah. that's probably one of the reasons that I, I listen to them over and over again a lot. At that rate, you could consume almost an entire audiobook every day. Pretty close, yeah. I go through a lot of audiobooks every week. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, Amy, so let's talk about your, your rereads list. So the first of your rereads is Fated Love by Radcliffe, a, a classic and a reread for a number of, of the team members. Definitely. This is one of Radcliffe's medical hospital stories. And what we have is we have the ER boss of Honor Blake. And she was on vacation, and when she comes back, she has this new ER doctor who actually turns out to be a trauma surgeon named Quinn McGuire. And Quinn has come in and is obviously a trauma surgeon and doesn't belong in an actual ER because they have a separate trauma department. And so Honor is extremely suspicious of her. And doesn't know quite what to make of her. And yet, both of them can't really stay away from each other. But that's the wonderful thing about Radcliffe books. They just can't stay away from each other. Uh, very true. Very true. And so uh, we get to, to learn what caused Quinn to, to be in the, the ER instead of the, the trauma department or surgery department, and we also get to find out why Honor is a little reluctant to get involved with another woman. There's a lot of tragic stuff that happens on both sides, and yet each person is able to move past that because of the, the emotion that the other evokes, and they're drawn together, and they're able to overcome their pasts with the other help of the other person and it's beautiful and it's angsty and it's oh so delicious and it's almost like it was faded <laughs> nice so i this is one of those that i mean i have the ebook yes but i also have it in audio and that one's uh, narrated by abby Craden. abby Craden, i think is one of the really good uh, narrators that Radcliffe uses. So when you get to the point where both of them are ready to, to reveal their hearts and, and the tension gets, you know, ratcheted up and the, just the conclusion always makes me feel good when they really find each other. I think Creighton and Radcliffe must be one of my favorite combinations in audiobooks. Uh, they just kind of mesh together so nicely. Well, and you know what else I, I like about Radcliffe is that she obviously has series that she writes. And this one is actually not quite part of a series, but it's part of a particular uh, world, I guess I'd say. And so we get to see um, some of the characters from other books. And I love that because I loved the book with um, Sinclair and Jude. And when we get to see them... It's just like, it's like seeing old friends. And then, of course, it makes me want to, to re-listen or reread that book, too. <laughs> so, I think that one was... Um, Patience, Brad, Fury. 
Yes, Passion's Bright. I, that, I think that's the one for Sinclair and Jude, in case any listener wants it. But yeah, I, I, liked, I liked that set of the hospital love stories, I guess I'd say, that Radcliffe writes. I agree. I think she has a particular knack for it because of her own medical training. Yeah, she's, I mean, her history her, herself is impressive. Mm. So when she writes uh, the medical stuff, especially, you know, the ER and trauma and surgery stuff, it's just, it's so realistic. Of course, that's me not knowing anything about <laughs> trauma, surgery and, and <laughs> ER work, but it, it sounds, you know, just basically so real. And, yeah. and knowing how high stress a job it is, there's always room for high emotions and that love is one of them is, is just great. Absolutely agree. Highly recommend this book. I think if you're going to read a romance, you can't go wrong. I've never heard anybody who doesn't like Fated Love. It's hard to not like Fated Love. I mean, there's a lot of tragedy and drama and triumph. How yes. do you not love all of it? Exactly. Okay, so your second one is Who's Your Daddy by Anne McMahon and Salem West. This is also, um, I think, on Tara's list as a favorite review. It is probably because uh, I know I, I know that I actually experienced it for the first time before I met Tara. But when Tara was starting to talk about it, it definitely made me go back to it and listen to it again, because this is one that um, Anne McMahon is one of those, because she has so many available on audio, and her, her books, I mean, the audio comes out so close to when her books come out. So when, when her books come out, I usually get them on audio first. And so that's one that I listened on audio back when not many lesbian books were on audio. And so after um, hearing some of Tara's reasons for, for liking it so much, I went back and re-listened. It was a lot funnier than I remembered it being. Anne McMahon has so much talent as far as bringing humor into the story in subtle and witty ways that um, on my re-listen, I just uh, fell in love with it all over again. I mean, yeah, you have the, the, the happy ever after ending, of course, but it's just the way that she gets there is just so full of humor and real life. And the blurb on that one is uh, Jill Fryman, who is called Friday by her friends, she is a, uh, a line supervisor at a truck manufacturing plant in Indiana. And for anybody who doesn't know, Indiana is home to the Hoosiers, which is one of the state college's mascots. They're the Indiana, I think it's Indiana State, but I could be wrong. So nobody who lives there really kill me for that, but um, that they're the Hoosiers. And um, so that's part of where I think the title comes from, Who's Your Daddy, because it's Who's Your Country, and everything in, in that part of the country is who, about the Hoosiers. Friday, she just seems to always uh, make less than optimal choices in her life, and things get 
kind of a little twisted when L, who is a an organizer, labor organizer from the UAW, and that is the union for um, the United Auto Workers. And they want to unionize the plant workers right after it gets bought out by a Japanese company. And I think that might be something that a lot of people, um, you know, overseas don't understand. The, the union and versus management fight is, mm. I think, very specific to the United States, where, mm. well, I'm not saying that the actual fight is is specific, but the, the history of, of especially auto unions that with the auto workers and how management isn't supposed to uh, work at all with, with the union organizers or, or trying to, in subtle ways, um, deter a, a vote that is positive for unionizing. And um, as a supervisor, Friday is not supposed to be talking with the enemy in any way. And of course, there's a, a um, an interesting dynamic and, and chemistry between Friday and Al. And some of the things that they get into because they're not supposed to be talking are just hilarious. And so there's a lot of situational comedy, but there's also just so much subtle wit and the way that, that Ann McMahon and Salem West treat the relationships not only between Elle and, and Friday, but between Friday and her family and, and between her Friday and her friends and the interaction with her friends who are actual, you know, workers, line workers and the union organizers and how that sets up a conflict for her. And then even at that, at that the interactions between Friday and her bosses is just all interwoven and it all creates this gigantic community feeling that you know is just like part of it is the the people in in your life that you can't stand but you can't get away from and part of it is people who you love but you can't figure out why they make the choices they make um but it's just I think Anne McMahon's a master at that type of book. You know what I love about Anne McMahon's work is she's a smart woman. So while some of her stuff is funny, there's always a kind of an underlying observation of the world. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I, I, I tend to use, yes, I mean, it, it's humorous and it's funny, but I tend to use wit more mm. because mm. it's like, it's, it's funny, but it's a subtle commentary at the same time. It's just, it makes the whole book deep, just deeper. Yeah. You, you get the feeling that Anne McMahon spends a lot of time sort of watching the world and going, huh, that's rather interesting. <laughs> Definitely. So the next book on your list is also an Anne McMahon book. I'm seeing some, a couple of authors reappearing on your list. You've definitely got favorites. Well, you know, part of that is, 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 okay, most of it is because of the quality of the writing. Completely. I mean, I, I also have rereads that are just more about story than, than writing technique, but it's hard to not 
include these because the writing is so good and just the way that it makes you feel is is amazing so your next one is jericho by ann mcmitten yes jericho is about a librarian she has just been divorced so she accepts an 18-month contract in jericho to start and build their library system when she moves there she immediately meets on her way into town the town doctor maddie stevenson there's a and just an immediate comfort between the two this isn't one that is about um immediate chemistry and and you know hot passionate sex and feelings this is more about the slow burn it's more about becoming friends first and and knowing the other person and also about uh, awakening because by what happens in the town and with her friendship with Maddie, uh, Sid actually discovers herself. And it's about so much more than just discovering that she's a lesbian. It's about discovering how um, strong she is as a person and how, how much she loves certain things and doesn't want to put them to the side for another person anymore which is what she's done in the past. I mean, yes, this is another Anne McMahon story, but it's so different from Who's Your Daddy. It still has the, the subtle incidents of, of humor and wit and um, some absurd situations, but it's not as blatantly funny as Who's Your Daddy. This is more uh, of a long journey of, of discovery and uh, basically of life. Mm. I mean, it's just about finding out how you're going to live your life and, and who you meet along the way and, and how meeting with people changes you. I read Jericho like years ago, like when it first came out and I can't for the life of me remember it, but I remember enjoying it. You know, there's, there's certain stories where um, there's, there's a particular thing that happens in the story. Like, in Who's Your Daddy, it was about the, the unionizers coming and how that affected not only the, the people in the plant, but the town. Mm. And um, this is more of a, of a slice of life type of mm. story. So this is more about how, you know, the, the journey of everyday life and how new connections can change you new environments can change you the sequel she has two sequels for this i, I want to say goldenrod and aftermath and so it's about you know a slice of time in this in this town of jericho mm. but it's also about um you know the central characters that were that are going through what happens in mm. in town also I have to admit that one of the first reasons that I bought this audiobook is because it was 22 hours long. Nice. That's amazing for you. Right? It's amazing for me as a driver to be able to, to stick with one book for that long. But just, I fell in love with the story and with the characters. And I mean, I don't know anybody in my life like that, but I, I, I would want to be their friends. I totally get that. Sometimes... Um, you know, you just relate so hard to a character that it's like they're real for you. 
Thank you for spending your time with TLR. We rely on the support of listeners, patrons and advertisers, so please click on our links to buy, check out the show notes to find our Patreon link, and support our advertisers. You are listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast. We bring you the best lesbian books, movies and music reviews on thelesbianreview.com. So now there's a bit of a change of pace. We've got two sci-fis. Yes. Now we're moving into sci-fi. So we've got Protector of the Realm by Gunbrook. I think this was also on Kelly's list, if I recall correctly. I don't remember which, which whose it was on, but this was, um, I just, I read a lot of sci-fi. And so when I, when I discovered lesbian sci-fi, it was like my world came, became complete, you know? <laughs> so um, this was one of the first sci-fis that I had discovered. And I just, I fell in love with this one because there's just so much to like about it. I mean, there's the, there's the, the fact that there's aliens. I like the fact that this book doesn't have, uh, it's just all humans. It's got the, the fake marriage trope, which, you know, I didn't know I was that into that when I first read the book. It's just, it was pretty amazing. Especially, you know, when I first got into uh, discovering lesbian sci-fi, it was, it was just one of those feel-good romance space opera books that just made me say yes, please, more. This okay. one is... Um, the, the human space is called the Supreme Constellations, and they've made treaties with a couple of, of alien species already. Uh, Commodore Ray Jason of, of uh, the Supreme Constellations is the commander of the Gamma 6 space station, and she apprehends this uh, spaceship that she believes is a pirate, and it turns out that these Gantharians are on it, and it's just uh, one woman, Kellen O'Dall, and a small boy. And uh, turns out that this small boy is is wanted by the occupiers of the Gantharian system as the heir to one of the occupiers' biggest fortunes. And on top of that, he is part of the royal family of, of uh, Gantharia. I, I forget if that's the actual planet's name, but. So she is trying to protect him, and, but trying to keep him away from the occupiers has set off a major incident. And one of the only ways that uh, the Commodore can figure out to save the two of them until they can figure out what's really going on is to marry Kellen O'Dall. And that way they become citizens of the Supreme Constellations and she's able to legally protect them and have their case heard in Supreme Constellations Court, which won't go by the laws of the occupiers of their system, which they feel is, is bad and brutal. And, and because the punishment for Kellen O'Dall for what she's accused of, which is kidnapping, is to be starved to death. 
in one of the asteroid prisons. And so that's what tips Commodore Jason into um, offering marriage, and it has to be for five years. And so that's a pretty big deal for both of them. Kellen O'Dall isn't sure, you know, whether or not she wants to to do that or if she can even trust her. She doesn't know if the Commodore is going to end up trying to use the boy herself. And so, but it's the only way that either of them can figure and so she does it, and so then they fall in love. Oh, and that sounds sweet, man. It's awesome. There were some some good sex scenes in the book, too, so that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, I didn't really usually get a lot of sex scenes in my science fiction, so since this was okay. kind of a sci-fi romance, it was pretty cool. That does sound good. Other good thing I liked about it is that, that I mean, I... I think I'd read it two or three times in an ebook before the audiobook came out even. But the book first book has, has come out in, in audiobook. There's four books in, in the, the series total. So I keep hoping that the rest of the books will be put out in audio, but uh, but that's one of the reasons that I, I, I like that one too, is that I listen to it a lot. Okay, so the next one is also sci-fi, and this is the sci-fi book that launched a massive fan club, The Caffeinon by Fletcher Delancey. The Caffeinon by Fletcher Delancey, yes. This is sci-fi with a twist, because instead of, of being written by, you know, in the human point of view, most of the viewpoints are from the aliens. This is the story of a world who has not achieved spaceflight yet. And it seems like they're very close to it, but they haven't quite done it yet. They're still in the stage of wondering if there's life on other planets. And all of a sudden, a giant spaceship crashes on their world. Reading that from the point of view of the inhabitants of the world was just so mind-blowing. It immediately caught me. This one is uh, Captain Ikatia Serrato, is part of a star system conglomeration that's called the Protectorate. And they have a lot of philosophical differences with the other major power in the universe at the time, which is the Voloff. The Voloff are a system of governance that is basically conquer other worlds, enslave their people, take all of their natural resources for themselves. And the Protectorate has decided that they don't like that and they want to limit their expansion. So when it comes to this new world that they've discovered, I'll see, they decide that they're going to block the invasion. And so a space battle occurs above the planet. It ends with the attackers being destroyed and the defender which is the ship the Caffeinon crashing into the planet then we meet Lancer and Dira Tall who is the leader of Alsi and she basically has to go out and find out what this ship is who these people are and whether or not they basically have to go to war to stop an invasion this book is more science fiction than most lesbian science fiction. There's no romance in this book. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a hint of it, but it's not like, it's not like a subplot. It, it, it's not one of the main plots. 
the main plot is about whether or not these two cultures can meet and agree and integrate and whether or not the protectorate is going to extend itself to to this backwards planet to protect them from another power in the universe that wants to kill them and take their planet for themselves and about how politics and subtle machinations can get in the way on both sides it's an epic book i mean there's eight more books in the series and i believe she's working on book nine right now before she's i think she said that she wanted to switch to a young adult after this in the same world you fall in love with so many characters in this book that you don't miss the romance and there is romance that comes it becomes involved in in some of the other books book two and three i think is lancer tall finding her romantic partner her soulmate even then most of the stuff that happens is more about the way the worlds work and how you navigate the world to get to you know the outcome that you think is best or or that tall thinks that is best for her her world and it's just fletcher delancey has created such a an, an amazing world and it's has such depth and every every book just expands that um book four which is uh the catalyst mm. catalyst thing um it's just it, it it moves more of our focus into the protectorate to see what's going on with it with katya and lynn her partner that when they go off planet and back to where they came from and and have to deal with the aftermath and the fact that it's so diverse and so different from from Aussie, and yet it's so well developed the whole series is just one that i love to reread if there was such a thing as cult classics in lesbic it would be that the way people flock to this series well i have to admit that in the beginning anytime anybody said anything about being open to science fiction i would push this book at them <laughs> i definitely you're a delancey cultist over there <laughs> i am i i am i've joined the fan page group mm. uh, i didn't start it but i very gleefully joined when some of the the people who first started it did <laughs> i think the very first time that fletcher delancey ever talked to me i i couldn't believe it <laughs> yeah bad girl my wife is telling me that i was ridiculous <laughs> and the funny part is is that the kafanon touched me so deeply that when the second book came out i refused to get it and i know that the third book came out in just a couple of weeks because book two and three i think were originally written as one giant book but it was too big so they split it into two but Fletcher didn't want it to be such a cliffhanger she worked hard to publish that third book like really really soon as far as publishing goes i waited for like another year after they were published to read them because i'd had so many series where i loved the first book mm. and then was kind of a little disappointed in the second book and so i was afraid that that would happen Mm. And so I I just kept putting it off and putting it off and then finally I couldn't do it anymore and so I got them and just couldn't believe how much I loved them too. 
and so that's pretty much everything I've done with her books is as soon as it's published now I'll buy it and then I'll hold on to it for a while so that I can I don't know torture myself before I read it I actually understand the phenomenon entirely there's sometimes when I'm looking forward to a movie for example so much that I will hold it and I'll look at it and then I'll think about it and I'll maybe watch the trailer but I won't necessarily watch the movie yet because the anticipation is so delicious and you don't want to be disappointed because you're so looking forward to this thing so I completely get it yeah so that's happened with almost every single book of hers and and you know what it is is that I've rated her books as far as which one I like the most and, and you know the order that I like them in but each book is so different from the previous one. It's so hard to even compare them mm. because like, you know, this first book is almost like a first contact book. And books two and three, I consider them one book, but they are almost a romance sci-fi book. And then book four is so much about, it's almost Star Trek-like in how you treat a new world that isn't as technologically advanced as you. Book five is Outcast, and it's so completely different. We're following this person who was a villain in, I think, book three. And she's the Alcyon version of asexual. And we see, you know, what she was like as a, as a girl and, and the difficulties and things that she had to go through to become the person that she became. And then we find out that what she thought was happening when she was the villain wasn't the same. She thought that she was the hero in, in her version of the story. And she didn't, the resolution of that and how, how that comes together was just, I think amazing but it was so different from anything else I'd ever read but isn't it fantastic when authors can give you that diversity in a series so that each book is its unique story and it builds into a bigger world I mean I love when authors can do that I find it very frustrating when it's when it's pretty much just like you know you may as well just read book one as chapter one book two as chapter two book three I I, I just don't I sort of get bored with that I, I did name it wrong. It is book six because book five is kind of the short story. Amy, that's it for part one of this epic list. And we will be back next week with part two. In the meantime, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? I am at Twitter at Callie Paul 323 And then on Facebook, Amy Herman Paul. You can reach me any of those places. I'm always willing to talk books. I'm always willing to uh, make suggestions as far as, as recommendations, as long as my brain is working that day. might take me a little while. <laughs> Absolutely. As we can see, you're a big book fan and you read a lot. So Amy's a good person to hook up with online. Amy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into the special TLR podcast series where we have been chatting about our favorite rereads. Please make sure to use our buy links for Amazon or become a patron. Using our buy links gives us a small commission on purchases you make on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking the link. Becoming a patron means you get exclusive content. 
go to patreon.com/slash/thelesbianreview for more.